Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 56. They came to Jericho as he and his disciples in the crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus and his son Timaeus, a blind beggar, were sitting on the roadside when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Thank you very much. That was awesome. Let's give it up for Ronnie. That might stay or might not. All right. So last week I told you uh, that I wanted to spend some more time on this uh, very few verses because there's just so much here to talk about. And while I gave you an overview last week, which hopefully kind of whet your appetite for it, there's just too much uh, to deal with. And so today I want to talk a little bit more about this blind Bart and what's going on with him. And uh, there's a woman named um, Rosemary Mahoney uh, who wrote a book about blindness and uh, the title is uh, something like, uh, For Those Who Can See. And uh, it recalls her research globally about the issue of blindness and what pe blind people face. She spent time in a, a school for the blind uh, in Tibet. And she discovered that there are three things that are common um, that blind people face globally. Uh, the first thing is, is that blind people are assumed to be dumb, that they're not smart. So an interesting thing that happened when she was with the School for the Blind, they would go to these uh, villages and ask if there were any blind people there. And people were treating the blind uh, very poorly, um, almost like a terrible burden. In fact, that's another thing that came out was that globally, the blind people are made aware that they are considered a burden on the rest of the society. And because families in these villages thought that they were a burden and dumb, uh, too dumb to fend for themselves or know what to do, very often they would find these children chained to their own beds for fear of them getting out and getting into trouble because they weren't smart enough to know what to do. It's happened a lot. The irony there, of course, is uh, they're picking up these kids to take them to a school for the blind where they're going to get a better education than they probably ever would have at school. It's interesting. So the first thing is, is that uh, globally, uh, blind people are deemed to be stupid by the culture around them. And the second thing is that they're considered cursed by God. And we looked at that in depth, and we've known this through other passages in Scripture that we've uh, looked at over many years, um, that just plain and simple, uh, if you're born blind, if you contract some kind of disease that makes you blind, the prevailing idea even to this day is what did you do? And, why, and we ask ourselves whenever we have things like this happen, what, what did I do that would get God to do this to me or allow this to happen, which is basically the same thing as God doing it. So that prevails even until this day, which is crazy given the time that we live. 
And the final thing, which I already mentioned, is that the blind are made to feel like they are a burden on society. And these are all uh, awful, awful realities, and certainly what blind Bart felt. Some people uh, are so attached to the label of their blindness that they can't get out of it. And I have a hunch that Bart had been living with this a very long time, maybe since birth. Uh, last week, I had somebody come up to me, guy greatly respect, and his thought was is that uh, Bart became blind sometime later in his life, childhood perhaps or later, because that word again shows up uh, in the text. My teacher let me see again. And as he said that, I was like, yeah, I know that could definitely uh, be it. And he had the great metaphor uh, about thinking about this. But then I remembered my research and I was wondering, okay, I know there's something about the again thing. And so I went back and looked at it. And here's the thing. Remember what I told you that the Greek language does not always translate well into English. So if you look at some of the most popular Bible translations that are available right now, you'll notice that two of them uh, use the word again. The New Revised Standard Version, which is this, and the New American Standard Version include the word again. And the reason why the other ones don't, like New International Version, New Living Translation, and others don't, is because the Greek word can go either way. It can either just be restore or restore again. And so this particular version does that. Doesn't really matter. That's just a nerdy thing to impress your Bible student studying friends. <laughs> but the reality is we know that this guy, Bart, felt the brunt of everything that we've heard from the research. I'm absolutely certain that people treated him like he wasn't very bright. I'm certain, certain that he felt like he was cursed by God because that's the message everybody was sending him all the time. And I'm very confident that he was also very aware that he was a burden on society because he couldn't get along without them. He had no hope except for begging for his food. Sometimes the labels that get put on us are so uh, heavy that we feel suffocated. And we feel like we really can't go on. There's a song that speaks to this uh, from King and Country that I want to share now. It's called God Only Knows, and hopefully it will work. Yep. Crank it up. Sound asleep and too afraid of what might show up while you're dreaming. Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you. Nobody, nobody will believe you. Every day you try to pick up all the pieces, all the memories that somehow never leave you. Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you. Nobody, nobody will believe you. God only knows what you've been.
know that uh, teens are in particular are in a particular at-risk group of taking their own lives because it feels like the world is caving in and they can't handle it anymore. And certainly uh, as human beings develop through those years, they don't have yet the capacity to fully appreciate more going on in terms of their emotional uh, realm and being able to look forward because their brain hasn't developed yet. But we also know that it's not just a teen thing, it's an adult thing, it's a middle-aged white guy thing, it's a female thing, it's a person moving up into retirement age thing. And so I don't want to, I don't want to go any further until I just acknowledge that this is real and that mental health uh, concerns are very real and powerful and at times require very direct help. Uh, they're not just going to go away. Uh, and if you are in that kind of a space where you really, really relate uh, to what the woman in the video was going through and you feel like you're on the edge, please let me know or let a trusted friend know because you are not as alone as you may think you are. And while the world may seem like there's no hope for you, the reality is that is that's the chemicals in your brains that are talking to you. And there are other people around you that will walk with you through. We 
we don't want to lose you if that's where you are. And we want to make sure you get the help that you need and can have. And we are a part of that help. So please let me know, let Dar know, let somebody else know if you're struggling with this, because it's real. It's nothing to be ashamed of. This people struggle with this. I would, I would be, I think we'd be surprised how many people um, struggle uh, with this kind of feeling of despairing, um, uh, go unspoken. And so enough said on that, but I want to encourage you if that's where you are uh, to get the help that you need and let us help and come alongside. Blind Bart certainly knew uh, and could relate to what that gal in the video went through. And I think uh, he probably wondered how he might act on similar feelings because he was blind, he was told he was stupid, told that he was cursed by God, and told that he was essentially not wanted. He felt extremely alone. But, you know, that kind of a label um, doesn't need to be necessarily that extreme to have that kind of power over us. There are other labels that are put onto us at different times in life that are extremely powerful. Some of them um, we don't want. Uh, so maybe there were some decisions, behaviors that you engaged in, you know, at a different time in your life, and they don't really represent you now, but man, it's so hard to shake the label. Once people label you a certain way, really hard for them to let you grow out of that label. Some of you uh, really love the label. Uh, that maybe you helped even garner. Maybe you were known as the smart one, or maybe you were known as a jock, or maybe you were known as the life of the party or, or whatever. And those labels, while at first might seem really wonderful and affirming and build your identity around such things, over time we recognize that every label that we can place on ourselves constricts more than it frees, pigeonholes us, more than it releases us to be full human beings. And so there's a, another video I want to share with you. This is from uh, Rob Bell's NUMA collection. And he hits this really, really well. And I think there are some blind Bart things, themes that show up in his video that I wonder how much they show up with all of us. So let's check this out.
was meeting with my counselor recently, and somewhere in the course of our time together, we were discussing some issue in my life, and I asked him, is it normal for people to, and he immediately interrupts me, and he says, is it normal for who? I said, well, you know, is it normal for people to, and he interrupts me again, and he says, wait, wait, we're not here to talk about other people, are we? We're here to talk about you and who you are and what the next right thing is for you to do. So the better question is, is it normal for you? Now there's a story in the Bible about a man named Jacob who wrestles an angel. Now the scripture's not exactly clear who, who he's struggling with, whether it's actually an angel or whether it's a man or some sort of divine messenger, but, but they struggle hour after hour by the side of a river. And at daybreak, the man says to Jacob, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And the man says, well, what is your name? Now, this, uh, this question has a bit of history to it. When we, when we meet Jacob much earlier in the story, he's trying to deceive his father into thinking that he's actually his older brother, Esau, because in that culture at that time, the father would give the older son a blessing. And now their father is blind, and so he's disguised himself as the older brother. And their father, Isaac, he senses something is not right. And so he asks, who are you? And Jacob says, I'm Esau. When we first meet Jacob in the story, he's trying to be someone else. Now his older brother Esau finds out what he's done, and he's furious, and he threatens to kill him. And so Jacob leaves, and he's on the run. Now in the ancient Near East, your name was more than just words. Your name was identity. Your name was reflective of your character, your substance. I mean, the very fiber that, that made you, you. Your name told who you are. So when this man asks Jacob, what is your name? The real question he's asking him is, who are you? I mean, how much of our pain comes from not knowing how to answer that question? Soon after his resurrection, Jesus is having a meal with his disciples, and he's talking to one of them, Peter, about Peter's responsibility to lead Jesus' followers after he's gone. And Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, feed my sheep, which is a way of saying, take care of my church. Jesus gives Peter this calling, this task, a vocation, something to do with his life. And then Jesus says to him, Peter, follow me. And what's Peter's response to the sacred holy moment between the two of them? Peter looks at one of the other disciples and says, well, well what about him? And, and Jesus replies, what is that to you? You follow me. We can all relate to Peter, can't we? And we each have this unique path, a calling, a life God has given us. And Jesus invites us to be our true selves, and yet we get sidetracked, we get distracted, we get hung up on how we're different from her, or we aren't like him, and we end up asking the wrong questions. We end up asking, what about him? What about her? What about them? Some people are smarter, and some people have more money, and some people are stronger, and some people have a certain body type. It's just how it is. We'll never live from our true selves when we're comparing ourselves to those around us. And like it says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, a heart at peace 
gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Or like it says in the book of wisdom, Job, it says resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. How much life do we lose when we're endlessly comparing and measuring, engaging ourselves according to those around us? When we're jealous of what someone else has or even who someone else is. The struggle of Jacob is the struggle of all of us. We're asked, what is your name? But at some deep, deep level, we're really being asked, who are you? You and I have pasts, families we come from, things we've done, mistakes we've made, and, and where we've been and what we've done has shaped us into who we are today. And so we have to embrace our story, our history. You, you don't have to be proud of it, but you must claim it because it's yours. I mean, only when we can own our own history for what it is, the good, the bad, everything in between, can we ever begin to answer the question, what is your name? I mean, do, do you wish you were someone else or, or something else from that family instead of your own, with those abilities instead of the ones you've been given, with, with that body instead of the one that's yours? What is that to you? She has her path. He has his path. They have their path. And you have your path. You and I, we have limits. There are all sorts of things we aren't. There are all kinds of people that we aren't. Maybe this is why Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. How could I ever love and embrace someone else when I've never come to terms with who I am and then who I'm not? And some people live their whole lives according to the expectations of others whether it's authority figures or family members, it's, it's as if there's this script that's already been written by someone else and all they're essentially doing is just acting it out. Or others, they, they give their lives to the hopes and dreams and goals and plans of, of someone else. And so in the process, their identity, their life gets lost or others are just crippled by guilt and shame. They believe that they failed that they've blown it and, and that these mistakes and failures apparently define them. And so they live with this sense that it's never going to be any better than this. If you need the wisdom of a mentor or the words of trusted friends, get it, ask for it, because there's nothing more important. There's this moment by the side of the river as the sun rises and Jacob faces this man who's asked him the question, what is your name? And Jacob answers him, I'm Jacob. He's struggled and he's been broken and he's done pretending. He isn't trying to be Esau or anyone else. Jacob has wrestled and overcome. Jacob is ready to be Jacob. He's okay with the life God has given him. It's actually at this point in the story 
that God then pulls him into his divine destiny as the father of a nation. It's, it's almost like God says, are you ready to be you? Because there's a lot of work for us to do here together. And it's written in the scriptures that we work out our salvation. Do you know some of the things we need to be saved from? We need to be saved from all the times we haven't been our true selves. All the times we've tried to be someone else. All of the lies we've believed about who God made when God made us. All the times we've asked the wrong questions. What about him? What about her? What about them? And we've missed the voice of Jesus saying, you, follow me. yourself comfortable in your own skin. Jesus uh, says to his disciples, I love how Eugene Peterson says this in the message version. It's in the middle of the front page of your bulletin. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Oh, I love that. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Bart understood the invitation that was before him that day. What a beautiful thing we see in the presence of God working itself out in Jesus. First, don't hush Bart, crowd, but bring the guy over to me. And then once Bart is right in front of his face... Jesus doesn't say, all right, I know you want healing, and I know what you want to see, so get ready. Here it comes. He doesn't say that. He says, Bart, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you today? Such respect, such empowerment to Bart to be a part of his own decision-making process. What do you want, Bart? What do you want, Bart? Because you're Bart, and I'm Bart. And the Spirit of God is constantly inviting us forward deeper to know more and more about who we really are in our true selves. And this, by the way, is not something that we get through, and by the time we're 28, we're done with it. This is lifelong. These are questions that we need to entertain throughout our entire lives because life changes. We change as life changes. The deck changes and that brings us back to the space of who are we really and who do we want to be? There's this great uh, quote I came across this week. I may kick it out to you on, uh, on an email today. 
There's this Jewish proverb, before every person there marches an angel proclaiming, behold, the image of God. Unselfish, sacrificial living isn't about ignoring or denying or destroying yourself. It's about discovering your true self, the self that looks like God, and living life from that grounding. Many people are familiar with a part of Jesus' summary of the law of Moses. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself, yourself. Loving the self is a required balance. If we fail in that, we fail our neighbor too. To love your neighbor is to relate to them as someone made in the image of God. And it is to relate to yourself as someone made in the image of the God. It's God up, down, and all around. And God is love. That's from Bishop Michael Curry's book, Love is the Way. It's an interesting thing. I just want to point out one more thing that uh, Rosemary Mahoney uh, discovered in her research of people uh, with blindness. Because my hunch is that there's a part of all of us. There's a heart cry that's built into us to want to be that true self. And we kind of want it now. You know, that's sort of a, the, the aorist imperative of the Greek language that Bart says. He's not just sort of suggesting, hey, Jesus, have mercy on me. At some point, maybe when I die, not now, don't need to trouble yourself. That's not Bart's attitude. His attitude was, have mercy on me right now. And so then when Jesus asked him, what do you want? And he says, I want to see. He means now. And two miracles happened on that day. We only see one of them. The first miracle is the obvious. His eyes were opened and he could see again. But there was another miracle that took place. When we are born, uh, when we come out of the womb, we see for the first time. And it takes years, literally years, for our brain to be able to develop the capacity to understand what we're seeing. My wife and I took our son Noah to the pediatrician for a six-month checkup or whatever, and we were asking for some advice, and we were, we were wondering, you know, should we do this, you know, Beethoven baby thing that's out there, you know, you play Baroque music and they're going to be geniuses or what have you, and uh, how, many, how many things should we have in his room for him to mess with? And she's like, why are you wanting to do this? And we're like, well, you know, we want to stimulate him. We don't want him to get bored. And she laughed out loud. And she's like, bored? <laughs> Everything is brand new to this kid. <laughs> there's, there's no chance for boredom. His brain is trying to make sense of absolutely everything. When we are blind and then we see, it takes time for us to be able to understand what we're seeing. That's true. If you lose your sight for a period of time, and it can take a very long time. It's no mistake that Bart knew that if he was going to live into this new life, he needed to follow the one who could show him what that way looked like. It wasn't enough just to ask for the miracle and then go back to Jericho where he would never have any idea what it meant to live in that way of Jesus. He knew he needed to follow in the footsteps of Jesus who was going to show him that way that leads to truth, that leads to life. And I'm wondering if we recognize that while this way forward is grand, it is not... It is not asking a genie for a wish, and all of a sudden, it's all better. There can be initial hope and even ecstasy in the moment where we experience such grace of God, for sure, but that's really not the end goal. The goal is to become more and more our true self, which just so happens to coincide 
with us following in the footsteps of Jesus, who was so infused with the spirit of God that people looked at him and said, I think that guy's the son of God. So what's happening in you this morning? What's the label that you've been given? What's the label that you've chosen? And do you recognize its gift that it's given to you to build your life the way it is? And it's obviously worked for you to a certain degree. But do you also recognize that it's not who you really are? And do you sense the Spirit calling you to something deeper, something richer, something more true, where you flourish, where you become less encumbered by the words of the many around who want to keep you right where you are? You are made in the image of God. Why not say yes to finding more? of what that can possibly mean. It is always before us. What is your answer to this grand invitation? Let's pray together. So God, I ask that uh, you first help us uh, sort out what we might be feeling right now. Is, is there a kind of blindness that we know we struggle with? Is that it? And Spirit, if that's the case, can you, can you help us identify what that might be? What might be the false name, the false label, the false identity that we've adopted? It could be something else, but help us, God. And God, can you further help us by bringing to mind what might the next step be in response to what we've experienced and heard today, believing that you're at work here, that you are in and at work in every one of us and have been since the day we were born. What's our next step, God? What can you nudge us toward? God, I'm not sure I can't know all the things that are happening in this room that you're working toward. You're always working toward shalom. You're always working toward peace and wellness, well-being for all of us. But maybe some people are knowing that they need to identify those labels and see the benefits that they've given them, but also see the restrictions. Maybe for some of us, we have deep, deep wounds because of the labels that have put on us. And today our hearts just need to cry out to you. Help. Help. We can't take it anymore. And so your nudge today is first to express it, but then also to express it to someone else so that we can get help and know that we're not alone because we are not alone. Maybe some of us are just flat out asleep at the wheel and we think we see, but we really don't. And maybe today the spirit of God is coming up near to us and saying, you're blind. Don't you recognize that you're blind? And isn't it time to see again? Whatever you are asking God, may we have your help to say yes to your invitation, to your nudge, as little or small 
or great as it may be, that we might begin to experience deeper life, our true selves, your image at work in us, and our very specific, amazing expression of who we are. Help us learn, help us see, help us grow. We ask this in in the name of Jesus, praying the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.